What would you do if you were walking through the woods and you saw a cryptid? But a more interesting question would be, what if you were walking through the woods and you saw a cryptid being born? Huh? We're going to talk about that today. And then, <laughs> I don't know why I added that part. And then we travel to Vermont to take a look at a bizarre version of the Bigfoot myth. Is it possible that on the East Coast, Bigfoot isn't a big furry dude who likes to eat berries and leave giant footprints? In Vermont, their version of Bigfoot likes to kick over piles of manure and throw barbed wire into machinery. In other words, he sounds like a pretty fun dude. Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you guys are having a great day too. Let's let's go ahead and get the episode started right now. Walking into Dead Rabbit Command is one of our Christmas live stream donators. Someone who donated me money like, what is it, six, seven months ago? I'm finally getting around to this list. Everyone give it up to Allison's Wake. Woohoo, yeah, come on in, come on in. Dressed up like a little Christmas elf. Allison's Wake, you're going to be our captain, our pilot this episode. If you can't support the show financially, I totally understand. Just help spread the word about the show. That really, really helps out a lot. Allison, I'm going to go ahead and toss you the oars for the Dead Rabbit rowboat. We're going to leave behind Dead Rabbit Command. We're headed all the way out to Cuba. Get them rowing arms ready, guys. Row, 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 row. I don't know if row your boat, row or row your boat is in the public domain. I almost went into that song, but I don't want to get sued or copyright striked or anything like that. But why do we make up our own rowing song? I don't think it'll be too hard. We have a journey all the way out to Cuba. I'm sure we can figure out something. We're going to go take a look at this story. The story took place in the past, a couple decades ago. We don't have a date. We don't have an exact location. We don't even have the person's name, which is something that we come to in these paranormal stories. But I do have some interesting behind-the-scenes stuff. We'll get to that in a second, but let's start covering this story We are going to meet a farmer, a young man. We're going to call him Joey. Now, Joey, he's a farmer, and this one day he's out in the field all by himself, just working, throwing hay around, and he has like a big rake. Anyways, he's picking up hay and feeding it to goats and stuff like that, and he's actually working so long, he's the only one out in the field at this point, and the sun's going down. It's getting late, but he has a bunch of hay to pick up. And he's like, okay, that's enough now that no one can see that I'm not working here anymore. He's just sleeping out in the thing. He's like, I sure am working hard, guys. Don't look over here, though. He waits till it gets dark. He's like, whew, I can go home. As it gets dark, he starts to head home. He's walking away from the farm. And then all of a sudden, he gets hit with a terrible stench. It just completely fills his nostrils. He's like, oh, what is that smell? It smelled like a rotting animal. Which he wouldn't know, right? Because he works on a farm. I'm sure like every so often they like go out to go milk the cow and the cow's like all rotten and dead. And he's like, oh man, I probably should have fed it. I probably should have fed it all that hay that I made a bed out of. I was supposed to feed it to this cow. Oh no. So he recognizes the smell of a rotting animal. And what he thinks is weird is like it's such a strong stench of something in such a great state of decay. He didn't smell it on his trip to work. Well, that's weird, right? You're walking to work. You should have at least gotten a few whiffs of a smell of death. But no, he didn't get that. He's getting it on the way back. But he just keeps walking. He's still headed back home. And the only light that he can see by is moonlight. 
There's no street lights out here. He didn't bring his flashlight. And then he sees something standing there in the field. Not not super far away from him. It's not too far away, but he can't really make sense of what he's looking at. What he the, the, this is the way he described it is it was a horse with no head. Now, it's interesting because a lot of people, this was this got a lot of buzz online. A lot of people were saying, well, you know, it's common that horses will turn their head. Like, there's a lot of photographs of horses that are turning their head. And it looks like they don't have a head. Fair. Fair, right? They got big old long necks that they're turning to look at something. If they're bashful and don't want to get photographed. Fine, you can't. But I looked at some of these photographs. It didn't look like a horse had no head. It just looked like a horse was moved, like moved its neck. But this farmer, this guy knows what he's talking about. He says, the horse had no head. He goes, what it looked like is if you took a horse, two horses really, chopped them down the middle, and then took the two hindquarters and fused them together. It wasn't so much that it was a horse with his head turned. It was that this thing had no head from the get-go. And it's standing perfectly still in this field. Now, again, he's not super far away from it. So he starts walking towards it. And to, as far as he could tell, this thing wasn't even breathing. It was almost completely, perfectly motionless, just standing there. And he starts to walk around it. Because, of course, he's probably thinking the same thing. Is this a horse that's just turning its head a particular way? But I'm pretty sure horses have to breathe. I mean, even if it was doing that, it's still not breathing. He walked completely around the horse. It had no head. It was two hindquarters of a horse fused together. It was still at the length of a horse, but it was some sort of warped idea of what a horse should be. And as he's walking around it, he notices that the belly of this beast starts to glow. And he begins to hear what he can only describe as indecipherable whispers. So he runs home, right? Because that's super spooky. He runs home. Mystery, mystery's done. He's, he's tired of investigating this thing. Super spooky. He runs all the way home. Now, the next day, he goes out looking for it. Because obviously, couldn't have gone, couldn't have gone very far. He doesn't have a head. He goes out the next day. To that area, he can't find any sign of it. And later that day when he tells his grandpa, his grandpa goes, yeah, I see weird things too. He just completely blew it off. Yeah, you know, what are you going to do? We live in the country. There's a bunch of weird stuff out there. This story was posted online by a user who goes by the name Villanuskim. Villanuskim says that was his dad. He goes, my dad had this really weird encounter with this thing. He's walking around, blah, blah, blah. The story I just told you. And he says, nowadays, my dad is a chemical engineer. Got an education, started working in that field. He's always been an extremely logical guy. But to this day, even mentioning the story totally freaks him out. He doesn't know how to make sense of it. What did he see in that field? It's just illogical. Now, I read that story and I thought, that's cool. That's interesting. But is it Dead Rabbit Radio interesting? And it wasn't. It wasn't. Even I just told it. Hold on, hold on. You're like, what? 
You're wasting my time? No, I'm not wasting your time, nor am I wasting mine. I read that and I go, that's a cool cryptid story, but like, what is it? What could it possibly be? I read that guy's post and I I, I kept the notes on it, right? I kind of bookmarked it and thought, you know, that, that should be kind of cool to talk about. And then, like maybe like a month later, if even that, I put these two guys in touch, honestly. I hit up Villanuskim and said, hey, you got to check out this other guy's account. Because within a couple weeks, it was a very short period of time, another account popped up online from a user known as Throwaway for Reason, which is a it, it's a Reddit term meaning I'm starting this account just to tell one particular story. Because it's so weird, I will just get hassled about it on my main account until the end of time. So, but I want to tell the story. This is a story that Throwaway for Reason told. They said, we're going to call this person Peter. Peter says when he was 19 years old, this story takes place in the 1990s in Finland. He goes, it was that time when summer was slowly changing into fall. I was taking a gap year in college. He actually turned out to be six years. He took a very long gap year. But he goes, I was just kind of traveling around. And at this point, I was hiking in this particular area of Finland. I'm hiking through the woods and it's starting to get dark. He's walking down the road, just hiking with his backpack, going, man, I really don't want to go back to school. I'm just going to keep walking in the opposite direction of any college I find. And he goes, I'm walking through this area, and I see, like, shacks. And then I keep walking, and then there'd be, like, another old shack. And I'm walking through this area. I pass a bunch of farmland. And at this point, it's between 8 and 9 p.m. And all of a sudden, he's overcome with a sense of dread. It overrode his normal, rational mind. He immediately thought, oh, great, a predator is stalking me. There must be some giant cats. I wonder if they have those in Finland, like mountain lions and stuff like that. But it must be something like that. That caveman instinct overtook him. Something with ill intent was watching him. He knows there's nothing in front of him, or at least nothing that he can see. So he turns around to see if something's stalking behind him. And what he sees about 20 to 30 meters back from where he's standing is a black horse with no head. He described it as if you took two hindquarters of a horse and fused them together in the middle. This had no head. This one had no head. But it's moving. He's looking at it, and he can clearly see this guy moving. He goes, it's walking, and it has two tails. Two tails coming off of this thing. It was fully mobile. And at this point, his brain is still trying to process what he's looking at. It's a horse with no head, but that hasn't struck him how impossible that is. And he goes, this creature's moving, and his brain is trying to tell him this is something that you shouldn't be seeing. This is something you shouldn't be around. And it finally clicks for him. I think he probably thought it was an optical illusion as well, and maybe the, the head was being turned. He goes, it finally clicked for me because I looked over and I saw that it clearly had two tails. Tail coming out of one end and a tail coming out of the other end. This was two hindquarters of a horse fused together. So he flipped out, right? He realized that this thing had ill intent. It freaked him out from the beginning. It shouldn't exist. He takes off running. And he's running through a wooded area. He says, I have this heavy backpack on. I'm trying to run as fast as I can. I don't know what's going to happen if this thing catches me. And he just keeps getting cut up by all the branches as he's just pushing his way through the bramble. And he said that he ended up running over 1,600 feet in a go with this big backpack on through the woods. 
And then eventually he has to stop. That doesn't sound like very far, does it? I think I could probably run 1,600 feet, and I'm not a runner. Maybe not through the woods, but um, still. Still, keep pushing yourself, bro. Keep going. He, he said that he made it 1,600 feet. He had to stop. He couldn't run anymore, but this thing was no longer near him. That doesn't sound much at all. 1,600 feet, dude. I'd still be a little concerned. Well, he was. He ends up getting back to where he was staying. And he said the next two weeks, I couldn't sleep at all. I could not sleep. I was trying to figure out what this thing could have possibly been. Could it have been an optical illusion? No, because I saw it. I clearly saw it had two tails. And I, I found it so interesting. So I put these two guys in touch with each other. I was like, hey. You guys might have something to talk about. Both of you guys have a story that I've never heard before, although it could be an optical illusion, right? The first person, he walked completely around it and saw that there was no head. There was no mention of the tails, that it had two tails. This guy said that there were two tails on this thing. And it's an interesting story. What I find curious about it is we don't have a timeline for the first story but i do think it was i won't necessarily say it took place in the 90s but a guy's father was telling it so maybe like the 80s the 70s the first story was taking place what it seems like to me is that something was trying to imitate a horse and what i mean by that is some sort of spiritual force trying to be born into this world Maybe alien, right? Maybe alien, but I was thinking more of the lines of some sort of paranormal, not-of-this-world phenomenon trying to take the form of a horse and it can't get it right. And the first time, it was purely mystical. Because you had the form, it was completely frozen, it wasn't breathing, it wasn't alive, and then you had the glowing belly and the indecipherable whispers. And then you flash forward however many years, and you have a horse that can move. It still hasn't perfected the look of the horse, but it can now move. However, now when you're near it, you're instilled with an immediate sense of doom. Because that's just your human reaction to something that shouldn't exist. And I thought it was really interesting that you could have something that's trying to be born into this world and take the form of a horse, because it's appearing in farmlands. If it was the perfect version of a horse, you wouldn't notice it. You might have thought it was a little odd that a horse that you didn't own was on your farmland, or you had walked, and then you have a sense of oddness, and you turn around, and 30 meters behind you, there's a big black horse. That was the color of the horse in this one. I don't remember the color of the horse in the first story. And then I was thinking, too, I go, it feels like someone's trying to be born into the world as a horse. And then to just put a little spin on it, toss our conspiracy caps on for this segment. I was thinking of something like the four horsemen of the apocalypse. I was thinking of something like of that level. Horses are generally associated, like in the spiritual community, they're generally associated with the end of things. In a lot of religions, you have savior figures coming back on their steeds. You have the four horsemen of the apocalypse of the book of Revelation. You have horses associated with might and power and royalty. Nowadays, when you see someone riding a horse, you're like, oh, that's like a young girl riding a horse. Or maybe they're a cowboy or something like that at a rodeo. But generally, like when you see horses, it's a hobby. 
for most of human history, a horse was seen as, uh-oh, someone's going to die. If somebody shows up on a horse, it was either a royal member, it was either the most powerful person you'd ever seen in your life passing through, or it was someone on horseback with a weapon and they were coming to kill you. I mean, maybe there were people working in the stables, but even then they were preparing their horses for either royalty to ride or for war. Horses, the first thing we used horses for was for farming. And at the same time, like a close second, like within the same week, we were using them for battle. When people started taming horses. So I, I, the idea that it's coming into the world in the form of a horse makes me, with Conspiracy Cat fully on, makes me think apocalyptic. Something is trying to finalize itself as this avatar of destruction. Or salvation, right? You know, I think Jesus rides a horse in some of the versions of the end of the world. Creepy story, or it could, or it could just be a regular old cryptid, right? It could just be something a Skinwalker-esque trying to take the form of a horse. But yeah, the fact that it's trying to birth itself into the world and can't get it just right. But it's better the second time, right? The Finland story, if it really does take place after the Cuba story, it's getting some of the details right. It can move, it has tails now. It's no longer, it's no longer smells like rotting flesh. You know, that's a good thing if you want to be disguised. Could be a regular cryptid, could be a sign of the end of the world. Who knows, but what a crazy story. And yeah, I just stumbled across both of those completely on accident. And maybe the, maybe the two posters are the horses themselves. When I put them in touch with each other, now they're like, oh, this is awesome. Now we can start preparing for the end of the world. So sorry about that. Allison's wake. Let's go ahead and toss you the keys of the carbonar copter. We are leaving behind Finland. We're petting the horse. We're petting the horse. You're like, you're a good symbol of apocalypse. We're leaving behind Finland. We're headed all the way out to Northeast Vermont. And hit that time travel button. We're headed all the way back to the 1700s. It's time to put on your trapping furs. We got our little raccoon hats. And raccoon vests. We basically just dress up as raccoons. We're the original furries. We jump off the Garbiner Copter. We're dressed up as these raccoons running through Vermont. I gotta give a shout out to Scott Wheeler. He wrote an article about this beast for a website called Vermont's Very Best. And they cover like Vermont folklore and things like that. Seems incredibly niche. He's like, I really want to tell this story. Oh, but it's one mile outside the border. I guess I can't. I guess that belongs to Maine's Very Best. Or Maine's Mostly Best would probably be the name of theirs. We're going to take a look at a cryptid that is region-specific. We do get these from time to time, like the Loveland Frogman in Loveland, Ohio. Or the Swamp Ape. He's somewhere where there's a swamp in America. It's in the South, Missouri, Mississippi. I'm not really for sure. Basically like a smellier Bigfoot. He walks around in the swamp. I'll put the Loveland Frog episode in the show notes. I don't think I've ever covered the Swamp Ape just because it's just a smelly old Bigfoot. But we do get regional versions of these creatures. And in the Northeast Kingdom, which sounds like a very highfalutin way to say, it's just the Northeast part of Vermont, but they call it that. In the Northeast Kingdom in Vermont, back in the 1700s, there was the Wabanaki Confederacy. It was the natives that lived in the area long before the European settlers showed up. But the Native Americans and the European settlers, they did a lot of trading, they did a lot of fighting with each other, but they both had a common enemy, a giant bear known as Weejuk or Wetskin. And as the European colonists 
started calling him Slippery Skin. Slippery Skin. Slippery Skin. And the reason why he was called Slippery Skin, this is really like a prototypical Bigfoot story. It's fascinating look at a cryptid that we all know and love, but when you... Let's just get into it. I, I find this so fascinating. The reason why they called him Slippery Skin is just like the Bigfoot on the West Coast, you can't catch this guy. Like, people saw him all the time. So they had a pretty good description. They kept describing him as a giant bear, but this bear had enough similarities to Bigfoot that you would think, is that only the only way they could really describe a Sasquatch? Because I know the Native Americans would have no idea of what a gorilla looked like, or giant ape. And most European settlers in the 1700s, they probably weren't really aware of what an ape was as well. So if you saw a giant, you know, Bigfoot is usually described as just a giant primate that walks like a man. You would describe it as a bear if you had no other animal to compare it against to. But when you saw this thing, if you tried to shoot it, the second you brought your gun up to shoot it, because people were constantly trying to kill this thing because this thing was a menace, it would just disappear. Not until like a puff of smoke, but they'd said you would clearly see this thing walking around your farm causing chaos. And then you'd get your rifle and you'd aim it and he would run so fast he'd be in the woods. You couldn't find the guy. For at least 200 years, they tried killing this thing. He always walked on two feet. So even though he was described as a bear, they never saw him walking like a bear does. On oh, Bears walk on two feet too, but they don't run. <laughs> they don't run on two feet. And so he has that in common with Bigfoot as well, more in common than with a bear. But whether or not he's an intelligent bear cryptid or a version of a Sasquatch cryptid, he definitely does stuff that neither of those groups do. This dude was the Bart Simpson of Northeast Vermont. This guy got up to some antics. A Bigfoot, sometimes he walks around, he's been known to throw rocks at cabins. Okay, he's been known to kidnap people. Sure, I'm totally fine if you kidnap people. Anyways, Slippery Skin is a prankster. Here's some of the stuff that he would do. This really puts him, it's weird, because as big and furry and Sasquatch-esque as he is, he almost exists in the world of gnomes and gremlins. This is some of the stuff that he was up to. He'd scare livestock. Sure, bears scare livestock, right? Check, possibly a bear. He would rip up gardens. Well, Jason, that's what animals do. That's what wild animals do. They rip up gardens. He would destroy fences. You would just, you're just, you're just, now you've described a bear that does bear-like things. The only thing that makes him odd is that he can walk on two legs and you can't shoot him. He also loved to... So here's the thing. Yeah, all that stuff a wild animal can do. Destroy fences. Then he would do things like this. You'd be out farming moving your equipment around. You got like a giant hay bale machine. And then you're like, oh man, that was a good 10 minutes of work. I'm famished. And you go in to eat an entire pound of cheese. When you'd go out the next day, your machinery would be covered in... <laughs> your machinery would be covered in barbed wire. So it wasn't that he would just destroy your fence. He would then repurpose the barbed wire of the fence and wrap it around your equipment. If you had like a bucket of to get maple syrup out of a tree, you like plug the tree and you have it dripping out into the bucket, you would go the next day and you'd go to pick it up. You're like, oh man, this is heavy. How did I get so much syrup in it? He would put rocks in your bucket to make it look like you had enough syrup. 
<laughs> you had enough syrup for the morning. You're like, oh man, I love eating pancakes with all this fresh syrup. And then, no, you'd get home and you'd pour syrup for everyone. And then you get see you're like, oh no, just rocks. Slippery skin. Be super mad at this guy. If you had a pile of manure, the animals don't do this. Animals don't do this. You would put up a pile of manure and then you would wake up the next morning. And you'd be like, oh, today's the worst day of my job. I have to move that manure around more. Slippery skin would walk into farms and kick manure everywhere. So that's annoying, right? Not only do you now not only do you now not have your manure pile, you have to recollect it all. He was doing stuff to purposely piss people off. Now there was an idea that he might have been a Native American guerrilla fighter who didn't like that the Europeans were there. But the stories of slippery skin predate the Europeans. We had, the first written record we have of him came in 1759. There was this guy named Duluth. He was a scout with a British regiment of troops called Rogers Rangers. It was a light infantry force that was fighting during the French-Indian War. They were coming back after running a raid on an outpost up in Quebec. They're coming back, and he wrote in his journal, he was talking about the scouts as in him and his team. He said him and his scouts were always being annoyed, for no reason, by a large black bear who would throw pine cones and nuts down from trees and ledges. He also wrote in his journal that the Indians, being also disgusted, and know him and call him Weejuk or Wetskin. So that's the very first written record we have of this cryptid. So it probably wasn't a Native American. They were kind of pissed off too. They kept getting it with nuts in the head. They're like, oh man, it's Wetskin. And the British were like, what are you talking about? And they're like, they told him this legend. They're like, wait until late at night. We'll have s'mores. And I'll tell you the spooky story of Wetskin. He was known for throwing stuff at people. He sure it's fun, <laughs> sure it's fun wrapping farm machinery and barbed wire, but he was most famous for throwing stuff at people. And again, it's one of those things like I could imagine that this was almost like a boogeyman. When anything bad happened, you would probably blame wet skin. And some of this stuff may just be like, it was a windy day and a coconut fell from the sky. What's a coconut doing in Vermont? A, a giant acorn fell from a tree and hit me on the head. And I went slippery skin. Like it could have been something that they were blaming him for everything. But then he just straight out started harassing people in the area. He would stalk children. He would stalk children walking to school and throw rocks at them. From the bushes. So now he's just now he's just a predator, right? Well, he's already a predator. He's a giant bear, but now he's like stalking school children. But whether or not you believed in him, and a lot of people in the area did, he was a menace. He was throwing rocks when kids were walking to school. Little kids. He would throw rocks at them, which that's actually kind of hilarious, right? You're a cryptid. You have the power to move between the worlds. And the best thing you can do on your afternoon is throwing rocks at school-aged children. Like, what was this guy up to? He has to have a sense of humor. Like, it's one thing to knock over a fence. Animals will do that. It's another thing to purposely find a pile of poop that the farmer has collected and then to just start kicking it around the farm. I mean, that's so funny, dude. I love this guy. So his livery skin was a menace and they wanted to stop this guy. And you had a bunch of people trying to kill him. But remember, once you aimed your gun at him, he was gone. He also had a weird trick and we've seen this on a lot of cryptids, specifically in South America. 
He'd be walking down some trail and he's leaving these giant footprints everywhere. But when he thought he was being tracked, he could walk backwards as fast as he can walk forwards. And his feet go into his old footprints. So you can never track him. And a lot of South American legends, I'll try to, we did a couple episodes down there. The cryptids down there specifically have their feet turned backwards so you can't track them. Their feet are facing the wrong way, so you never know which direction they're coming or going from. This guy, his feet are normal, but he can walk backwards at such a pace and purposely fall into his old footprints, you just lose track of him. But people did try hunting him. And it's funny, because I read a bunch of sources on this, and again, I want to give a shout-out to Scott Wheeler. What an awesome article. I'd never heard of this guy before. There's a lot of stories that could be folk tales. Like th Those are all kind of like the cryptid legends. But then we have stories about the governor of Vermont, Jonas Galusha. The year's 1815. So this guy's been active for a long time. Remember, the first written record was 1759. That wasn't the first sighting. That's just the first time someone wrote down about it. In 1815, the Vermont governor, Jonas Galusha, was an excellent hunter. He was the Gaston of his time. And, you know, he's a governor. He has a state to run. But he also is tired of getting reports from his constituents saying, Hey, could you do something about could you do something about the manure problem and slippery skin and all of that? And Jonas Galusha, during an election year, said, Yeah, I'm going to do something about slippery skin. I, myself, the best hunter in the region, will catch slippery skin. I actually have a trick. Because there have been a lot of hunting parties that take this guy down. At one point, these hunters were tracking him and they heard him coming, so they hid in the bushes. And then all of a sudden, a giant tree stump rolled down the road, slippery skin, and throwing it at him. And the hunters left. <laughs> they were not going to mess with that guy who could throw a giant tree stump. That's about as good as the previous hunts had gone. But, but Governor Galusha said, I have a better idea. I'm not going to tell anyone what it is. I'm not going to tell any of you guys what it is because you'll probably want to talk me out of it. But all of you other hunters, let's get together as a team. We're going to take this guy out. So the hunters head out to the area where they believe Slippery Skin is. He's just kind of all over the area. This, this portion seems very folktale-ish. Or, or the governor of Vermont's one of the dumbest dudes on the planet. That's a high bar. He decides to capture this... Ancient beast, because again, this guy in 1815, they knew this dude's been around for at least at least 60, 70 years at this point. This is not a normal bear. There's been records of this going back quite a while. I figured out a way to stop slippery skin. I'm going to tempt fate. I'm going to tempt my own butthole with this plan. <laughs> what? what are you talking about, Governor? What? what do you, why does your butthole have anything to do with slippery skin? He's like, you know, all that manure being kicked around gave me an idea. <laughs> this, isn't, this isn't what he actually said, right? I'm just making up the speech. He's like, one night I was in bed and I decided, you know what? If I can't catch slippery skin, I don't deserve a butthole. I don't know if he actually mentioned butthole several times, but what he did to catch slippery skin is he showed up to this hunting party. His butthole is at risk. He showed up at this hunting party covered in the scent of a female bear. He just has it sitting on his shelf for date night. He covers himself in it, so now he smells like a female bear, and he goes, I'm going to go into the woods, and I'm going to catch slippery skin. Or, or, or have a lot of fun trying. And they're like, no, Governor, no! No, your butthole! He does. He goes into the woods with his gun to try to catch slippery skin. Basically, 
doing what we can only describe now as a Bugs Bunny technique. Putting on lipstick and a wig to catch the hunter. Make him think you're a hot chick. He goes into the woods. None of the hunters are going to follow this guy. Obviously, because nobody wants to see what's going to happen when this giant ancient bear discovers the scent of a sexy female bear. And what's going to happen when Slippery Skin realizes he's been tricked. But shortly after the governor goes into the woods, he comes running out of the woods. He's running, running, but he has a big smile on his face because his plan is working. Right behind him is Slippery Skin. And he yells, quote, this is actual quote, or made up quote. Again, this sounds like a folktale, but the governor apparently said, quote, out of my way, boys. I'm bringing him back alive. And he's running and Slippery Skin is chasing him through the woods. And I guess the implication was he was somehow going to outrun this giant bear all the way back to town and then maybe run into a jail cell and they locked the door behind him. Well, what happened was because he said that the other hunters all disbanded. They didn't want to shoot this thing because maybe the guy's plan was going to work. It ends up that, I guess, Slippery Skin realized that it was just a human and not a sexy bear, and he disappeared back into the woods. What's interesting is, in the Scott Wheeler article, it said that this event damaged Governor Jonas's political aspirations, and he lost the next election. He was governor until, like, 1820. Like, it was an election year. I'm almost wondering if it was a joke of the time. People were making fun of him. It was, like, fake news, right? It was, like, political propaganda. Vote for me. That other guy tried having sex with a bear. That other guy wants to have sex with slippery skin. Vote for me. Other than that big old pervert, he he won. Jonas won that election. So, yeah, it didn't. I think that that's folklorish version of it. But I don't think the story in and of itself is folklorish. I do think that there probably was a cryptid like this in the area. The sightings of him dropped off in the 1800s. The sightings of slippery skin himself are no longer around. Now, this is what's so interesting to me. Now, these aren't incredibly common, but they do happen. Now in Vermont, there's just regular old Bigfoot reports. So the idea of this slippery skin type character pulling all these pranks are gone. Now it's just a large primate walking through the woods with soulful eyes, gazing off into nature's beauty. And that's a really kind of a sad ending for the story of Slippery Skin. I, I almost want to classify this phenomenon as the Walmartification of the cryptid, or of the paranormal world in general. And what I mean by that is, like, this guy was a one-off dude. He was a crazy character. He's running around up to all sorts of hijinks. And then he just kind of morphed into a standard Bigfoot story. And we see that, too, in the world of aliens a lot. If you And this is why I love doing this show, because we go out and we find the weirdest stuff, the most obscure stuff to talk about. If we look at older accounts, let's say anything before the 1980s, we got aliens of humans wearing, like, shiny suits with antennas popping out of their head, basically look like cartoon characters, and you have robots, boxy-looking sci-fi robots marching through the woods, and all sorts of crazy phenomenon. But as time moved on, those became incredibly rare. And the phenomenon seemed to coalesce around gray aliens, reptilian aliens, Pleiadians, those are the tall Nordic humans, that type of stuff. You know what I mean? Like, we very rarely now get a truly bizarre alien encounter. They seem to be quite by the book. I woke up late at night, there was a gray... I mean, don't get me wrong, it's terrifying for the person in the middle of it, but you know what I mean? Like, we start to get this wall mortification of paranormal events. 
You would imagine there should be a lot more creatures and cryptids that are super weird, that only inhabit a particular area. But that starts to fall to the wayside. That starts to disappear. And instead, we just get a standard Bigfoot story, which just stretches around the world. But even then, like the Bigfoot stories in Russia, they're more human. They're far more human than the Bigfoots of the Pacific Northwest. And you go, well, Jason, that's because they're cryptids and they're in different climates and they're evolving differently and stuff like that. Sure, sure. But you know what I mean. We're, we, As more people believe in it, this is what's weird, as more people believe in the phenomenon, it tends to become more codified. And it feels like because it now has a set of rules or a set of things that people expect to see on an alien ship, that's what they see. And I don't really even know why this is happening. But it does seem to happen. UFO stories have gotten a lot less goofy in the past 20 or 30 years. So why? Did the goofy aliens get wiped out in an intergalactic war and all that's left are greys and reptilians? Or has something else happened? Has the way we think about these things color the phenomenon itself? If you are in an extreme event that involves extraterrestrial life and you expect to see a gray alien, does it then take the form of a gray alien? I don't know. I do think it's quite sad that we don't have more slippery skins. And that slippery skin himself may have morphed into a more traditional, more benign, and honestly, far more boring version of the Bigfoot. But slippery skin, we hope you're still out there. Somewhere. I'm sure a lot of farmers and people in Vermont are like, no, we hope he's gone forever. We need you, Slippery Skin. We need more wacky paranormal phenomenon. So please, please, Slippery Skin, and all wacky paranormal phenomenon, we need you. What the world needs now, more than anything, is laughter and mystery and a little bit of zaniness. If that means a couple, if that means a couple farmers start with their equipment and barbed wire goes shooting out in every direction, so be it. Because I'm not a farmer and I'll never have to worry about that ever happening. Although one day, the one time I'm walking past the farm, I hear a wheat thresher start up and it sounds broken. Then I might reconsider my request. But other than that, slippery skin, please come back. deadrabbitradio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash deadrabbitradio. TikTok is at deadrabbitradio. Deadrabbitradio is the daily paranormal conspiracy true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great week, guys. <laughs>